the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 519, for Sunday, September 14th, 2014. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your questions. We answer your questions. You send in your tips. We share your tips. We share all kinds of stuff here. And the goal is to each learn at least today. We're going to set the bar at three, three new things. Feel free to uh, set your own bar higher than that. But three is uh, is the goal. That's the goal for all of us here. Uh, new stuff to learn today. This show is sponsored by... Gazelle, the fast and simple way to sell your used gadgets. Uh, you can find out what your old iPhone, iPad, and other Apple products are worth at gazelle.com. We'll talk more about them a little bit later. Uh, Drobo. We're talking about uh, all kinds of Drobos today in the show, specifically the uh, the new Gen 3 Drobo direct attached USB device. And uh MGG five zero gets you 50 bucks off of that thing. So you can get it for only 300 bucks, which is or two ninety nine actually, which is awesome. We'll talk more about that in the show and a new sponsor on board. ShareFile. Uh, ShareFile is a uh, fantastic way to share your attachments uh, in, a, in a secure and trackable way. So uh, we'll talk more about that, but ShareFile.com with the coupon code. If you click the podcast microphone at the top, and share uh, Mac Geek. Uh, that'll get you 30 days for free. No credit card required. Check it all out. And uh, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in suddenly chilly, <laughs> fearful Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. Hi, John F. Braun. Yeah, I tested out the uh, the heat in the office yesterday just uh, because I always do that in September before I need it, you know, uh, because I... I don't, Ooh. I don't, right. You know, I want to make sure the, the boiler yeah. file fires up because we don't, we don't have hot water in the office. So the boiler would not fire up for any other reason all year um, other than heat. So I try to run it. Uh, I, I, I tell myself I'll run it once a month over the summer, but I don't usually. So, um, so I always, you know, I always make sure in September no. it's like, oh yeah, I gotta make sure it. you lubricate your circulator pump. Yeah. Well, we have a service contract with the, um, with the, uh, the the local oil oh. company, so yeah. they they come and do that. They clean it once a year and do all the the lubrications and everything, oh. which is good. It's it it costs us. I don't know. It's not much. It's like a hundred bucks or hundred and twenty bucks a year, and that includes the cleaning, and it also includes that they'll come out right away when there's a problem. So it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do that. I, I fix my own stuff. So far, the house is is still operating. Yeah. <laughs> But not about that. We're everything. not diagnosing the house here. We're diagnosing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I want to I want to do two things before we get into all the new stuff that Apple talked about. And we've got some geeky angles on the new stuff uh, because it's well, it's frankly how we roll. And so geeky is good. Um and we've got geeky stuff on on compare on on the iPad. Uh, sorry, the iPad Mini versus the iPhone Six Plus. I did a lot of math and even used the Pythagorean theorem. So we're going to talk about that, John. Um, and then also AT and T's next plan pricing because I think there's a lot of people that are confused about 
that and think that it's a bad thing and it may not be. So we'll talk about the math on that too. But, uh, but first I want to talk about, well, I want to talk about our first sponsor. However, before I do that, I want to make sure everybody's clear in the last show. I misspoke about Harry's, uh, com's URL. It's simply harrys.com. And then the coupon code is M G G. I think most of you got that. I had confused it with the link. I'm not going to say what I said in the last show, just in case, uh, you know, I don't want the wrong thing to get imprinted, but it is harrys.com and nothing more. And, uh, and then once you visit there and you want your five bucks off, it's uh, it's coupon code M G G. So keep yourself cleanly, cleanly shorn, uh, in style and comfort with uh, with Harry's.com coupon code MGG. I almost screwed it up again right there because I, I was I was like rolling. But uh, with that settled, I want to talk about Gazelle because boy, howdy, you might need it. If you've just ordered a new iPhone uh, and you've got an old one, then you're not sure what you're going to do with it. Go right now to gazelle.com because they want to buy your current iPhone and you can get great prices from them for these things. Right. Uh, so go and and you've got 30 days from whenever you, uh, from whenever you go to gazelle, you get 30 days to send your iPhone in, but your price gets locked in immediately. So do it now before everybody gets their new iPhones. Right. And, uh, and, 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 and starts, you know, driving the prices down because that's how the market works, right? Too much, too many devices in the price dips. So, uh, so go lock it in now at gazelle.com. They've got a super easy interface. Uh, if you, you don't even have to commit to anything. Uh, you see the price first, you just tell them what you have, what condition it's in. They tell you the price. And then if you like it, uh, they'll send you a box. You don't have to get a box. If you've got a box and you want to save, uh, you know, the hassle of that, fine. They'll, they'll give you a shipping label to print. But the, the expense is on them. And, uh, and if, you, if you need a box, they'll ship you one at their cost and then, uh, or at their expense, rather. And then uh, it, when it ships back, it's on their expense, too. So you, you pay nothing to, to get this done. They get it. They evaluate it. And then they send you your money. It's that simple. There's, there, it, I've used this many, many times. And they know that they're in the business of saving you time and headache. And so simplicity and, and, and efficiency is the key. You get this box. It already has all the packing materials that you need in it. You simply put your phone in. Make sure you turned off, turn off Find My iPhone because that's effectively an activation lock, right? And they, but they even have instructions in there to remind you of that. So you don't even need to write that down right now. But that's why they put them in there because it, it uh, hamstrings them if you send them your phone uh, with it locked that way. In fact, they might, they might not accept it. Uh, and that's just, that's just a, a fact of life with Apple devices. That's nothing uh, that Gazelle does specifically. Uh, it's just, you know, they, they want to have access to your device. So you got to turn that off, but uh, it works great. I've used this so many times, so many of our listeners, uh, so many of you folks have used it and, uh, and it, 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 it just works. Their customer service is fantastic. If in the event that you have a problem or need, even need to make a change. I mean, we've had some people send stuff in and then decide, no, you know what? I wanted that. And Gazelle sent it back to them. Now, I, I mean, they, I can't promise you they're going to do that all the time. It depends on where in the process they are. If they've already kind of liquidated your device out, well, that's how that works. But they go out of their way to service their customers, and you're their customer. So, uh, so check them out. And, uh, and of course, during the, uh, during the checkout process, if you decide to use it, they'll ask for your address and all that stuff. And then at the, at the very end, they'll say, where'd you hear about us? And choose podcast and then choose Mac Geek Cab. And that lets them know that uh, we're doing our job here and, and that you appreciate it. So 
check them out. Gazelle.com. And with that, John, it's time. So Apple did Apple did an event this week, uh, as you might have heard, John. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I really didn't, Dave. Yeah. Why, why is that? <laughs> I, I tried in in vain. So uh, so the last Apple event, uh, what they do is uh, they will. Uh, so I consumed the last event on my Apple TV. Sure. And they'll, you know, put up. You know, shortly before a major event, they'll put up a channel, Apple Events, and then right. I think it disappears later. Or maybe it stays there. No, I think it disappears. So they put it up there, and, and I tried it. And, um, you know, so they really, I think, you know, publicized this event, you know, saying there's going to be all sorts of great stuff coming. So uh, Sure. Yeah, there was so a, lot of, were, a lot of steam going into this one. Yeah, I think they were at capacity, but, oh, my gosh, the live stream was a uh, train wreck. I got to say train wreck. Gosh, you know, John, I had no trouble with my interface watching the uh, the presentation. The, in this case, Dave, I, I believe the analog uh, <laughs> interface was far superior to the digital interface. But yeah, well, because I started, you know, we streaming. do we do live coverage at TMO, and oh, yeah, and when there's a stream, what we do is we divide the labor. Right, I'll be in the room, I'll take pictures, I'll kind of give the vibe from the room, I'll offer some color commentary, but uh, but. I, I don't do the blow by blow because the guys watching the stream can can do that just as easily. And it's it, it, it just allows me to do the things that I can do because I'm in the room. And as soon as it started, I got a text from Brian saying, uh, dude, yeah, we're relying on you like 95 percent. Like, oh, great. That's awesome. And the bandwidth in that place sucked. It was terrible. So it, it was it was really hard to get, uh, you know, to get pictures or really anything out. But uh, but we did it. You know, we, we commit to the task. We made yeah. It happen. But yeah, um, yeah. the first sign that there was something wrong was you, you, you would see the uh, test pattern uh, or bars or whatever you, you call it in the trade. Uh, right. You know, it was like the TV truck schedule, you know, with the different color bars. And yeah. It was like usually my experience is for any sort of video event is if you see that somebody screwed something up. <laughs> and then when they did stream it. It was um, there was a Chinese translator coming in at pretty much the same volume as the as the actual presenters. And that was aggravating, too. And it's like, can't somebody shut that off? And eventually it settled down. But it was still weird. And that like sometimes it would actually jump into the past and that you'd see. I heard something and then either my timeline jumped or theirs did because I'd hear Tim say something and then I'd hear him say it again. And I'm like, wait, I thought he just said that. So anyways, I'd love to see a postmortem of what what caused this? Was it their streaming network? Was uh, that, that, I don't know, but it was, it, it was kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Simon Fredstedt did a, an interesting analysis of it and we'll put, uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, but um, it, it, he, he's just speculating cause he's, he doesn't have any inside info at Apple, but, um, but you know, he, he seems to think that there was some configuration error. Obviously, the one that that had the, had the double music and the, the double audio, rather, uh, that they didn't realize until the last minute, and then that they didn't uh, max out their streaming capacity. Uh, Were you enough. hearing that? Were you hearing that in the hall? Were you hearing two different music streams? No. Of course okay, it was not. Just us. Yeah. Okay, so they were combining music. Stri- okay. So I was like, oh, well, that's different. <laughs> yeah, no, of course not. No, they, it sounded great in the hall. Yeah. 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 It was no problem. Um, but, you know, you know, I mean, it's a different mix that they obviously a different mix that they send out. Yeah. Yeah. So keeps it interesting. That's for sure. Um, 
So now that we're past that, uh, I got to I got to play with the new things. So there there were effectively what four new things announced, right? The the iPhone six, the iPhone six plus, the Apple Watch, and Apple Pay, right? I, mm-hmm. I think those are that's 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 fair enough to uh, to mm-hmm. to say. So. Uh, let, let's talk about them in, in that order for no better reason than that's the order uh, I said. So the, the new iPhones, um, you've probably read a lot about uh, the, the kind of the, the gist of them. Uh, I, I got to play with them. Do you want to do you have any specific questions, John, or should we just talk about it? Uh, I mean, do you have any specific questions because I because I got to touch them. Is there anything there that that interests you? Um. I think I got all, you know, all the highlights of both of them. You know, people are creating cutouts because I think they're both larger. You know, both the new phones are, are larger. Yeah. Uh, so, so the six really, it, it it is both wider and taller than an iPhone five or five S the six is, but it, it in your hand and in a, in a practical sense, it feels like simply a taller version of the iPhone of the iPhone five. So it's, it's kind of like going from the four to the five was, it just got basically taller uh, going from the five to the six. It basically feels taller. Um, and, and, uh, and, and it obviously fits in the pocket. Fine. It, it has not in, in, in my pockets. Fine. I'm, I, you know, I don't know about, I, I don't think any phones fit in most women's pockets these days. Cause they don't really make uh, based on what I've seen. Women's pants typically don't have, uh, significant pockets. I wonder if that'll change as it probably won't. Um, but anyway, so it, it, and it, it's, it's smooth. I, I like the feel of this thing. It really reminds me in a good way of the original iPhone, right? The, the metal case with the rounded edges and, and that it, it has that feel. It's obviously not as thick or as, as clunky as, as the original iPhone would feel today. But, um, but it, it definitely has that feel. The six plus, is big, but man, the screen is nice. It's so nice. Uh, that five and a half inches is awesome. It, and you know, I hate to use an overused term, but it really, the term phablet really works because it's not, it, it's not just a, a, a you know, as, as uh, the, our friends on uh, the iOS show, Michael Johnston and Adam and Jeff uh, like to call it a gigantophone. That's not what that that's not what the iPhone six plus is. It truly is a small tablet that can fit in your pocket. And it does. I tested it in my pocket. I was with Jeff Carlson and Bob Levitas. We all tried it in our pockets. Now, to be fair, we're all dads. So even when we wear, you know, quote unquote, skinny jeans, we're wearing dad jeans. Right. You know, so bear that in mind. But I had no trouble and we're all tall guys. So our pockets are relatively deep. But guys, pockets are because we keep like rocks and, you know, other trinkets in them. That's what they're built for. So, uh, so it fit fine in the pocket. I'm not sure how I'd like it in my pocket with a case on it. Um, we'll have to see, you know, it, it depends on the case, but, but again, you know, it, it, I feel like it's totally possible that this could replace both a phone and an iPad mini for me. It's possible. And I'm, I'm willing to, I got to find out. Right. Um, and it, it fits enough. It feels good in one hand. It will take some adjustment to learn how to use it with one hand, um, not that I use my iPhone a ton. I mean, I don't, I use it a ton with one hand. I don't do a lot with one hand. It's mostly scrolling and reading and, and that sort of thing. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this. And I did, I ordered a, a six plus the other day, so I will have that. 
Probably not until October 1st, it looks like at this point. But um, but it, it's it's cool. The UI is more more iPad like. Right. You, you get um, extra columns and things. When I when I launched iBooks um, instead of it, when I went into uh, landscape mode on the on the regular iPhone, you know, on the 5S and, and on, even on the six, it, it it's one column of text that just got wider to fit the screen. On the six plus, it actually does two columns of text, just like the iPad does, and was totally readable. Uh, so, I I like it. Uh, I I think I like it. It's hard to say. Uh, I've been playing around a lot with. The, I have a, a test unit of a Samsung Galaxy Galaxy S four, and I've always liked the size of that screen. Uh, it you know I, if I use that even for twenty minutes, it makes the five S feel so cramped and small, and the S four is is totally fine. Now the S four is sort of sits in between and the S five, I think the same screen size, they sit in between the two iPhones, right? We have a 4.7 with the iPhone six and the four point or the 5.5 with the, with the six plus. So yeah, I'm curious to check it out. Maybe I'll feel like it's too big after I test it a little more, but initial thoughts. Good to go. Now are you, are you, uh, are you jumping to anything here, John, or are you sticking with your five S? Uh, I, I think I'm going to stick with the, the 5S. Well, I'm uh, still on contract, right. so I can't get upgrade pricing at this right. point. Right, and right. I'm, I'm not really into paying full price. Sure. No, I got I got two more months on my current contract, then I can get upgrade pricing. Okay, um, okay. That's not too so bad. To me, I, I would say the most compelling thing that I saw, though, was the, uh, you know, especially for all of, all of us... Uh, uh, people who like to take photographs was the improvement in the, in the cameras yeah. on, on both of them. I think that was, you know, especially on the six plus. Right. Right. And that, that's sort of that, you know, that and the battery life, the fact that the six plus, the one difference that it has is the optical stabilizer, right? Which means that in addition to the lens moving in and out to focus, it actually moves side to side and up and down, uh, I guess to float, to, to be more stable when your hands are, are shaky. Yeah. yeah. Like a chicken, like just like a chicken. iPhone have six you ever, plus. Have you, ever, have you ever have you ever seen that video? Uh, I, don't, I guess chickens not. for some chickens for some bizarre reason. Uh, if they're looking in a certain direction and you hold their body and you rotate it, their head will not move. There's oh. some sort of stabilization, chicken stabilization mechanism. So this uh, the, the, really the iPhone six, the iPhone six plus has chicken stabilization is what we're going to say. Sure. I'm surprised Tim Cook didn't just <laughs> use that as his analogy. Or bring out a chicken <laughs> or bring out a chicken and show it. Yes. Yeah, shake the thing all over the place on the stage. Yeah. That, there would be no problem with that. Nobody would take any, any issue with that. Yeah. Yeah. But short of, um, you know, optical zoom, which is, I don't know if you're ever going to get that in a, in a tiny camera like that, but yeah. that's huge because, you know, especially for shots, especially in low light, uh, you, you know, you'll see the reason for this is that right. it's really sometimes difficult I mean, the strategy is, you know, for a lot of us now is you go in burst mode and you hope you get one that's not blurry. That's right. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. And it that often works, but it's it's extra work. Right. You got to you then sort through and oh, that one's, you know, oh, there it is. OK. Yeah. Yeah. What that, else did they have? Well, that and the, and the extra battery. Right. The, the, the six plus is bigger. It has a bigger screen, so it burns more juice. But uh, it seems like at least based on Apple's numbers that they crammed way more battery than they needed for the, the bigger screen in there such that uh, we're hoping for somewhere between 20 and 40% increases uh, over even the iPhone six. And, and that's even perhaps a little bit better than the five S. So 
Yeah. And the one minor technical thing that I thought was, you know, kind of interesting, but uh, now a barometer, I believe they both have a barometer, right? They do both have barometers. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty I cool. Think that's mostly for the fitness crowd. So uh, you can know how many flights of stairs you've uh, climbed or, hey, if you just want to know what your altitude is, right? I think that's it. Listen, there are times when knowing your altitude is the most important thing, right? Pilot <laughs> Pete would tell you that if he were here. He's not. The folks in the chat room are here. MacGeekab.com slash stream. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. And thank you to everybody for listening, uh, whether you're on the stream or on the, uh, the, the, the delayed feed, we'll call it. But it's, you know, that's really kind of the normal place. So, um, John, I did some math because I started thinking about it uh, as I was on the plane ride home. I'm watching a movie on my iPad mini, which is a 7.9 inch screen. And but it's a four by three resolution screen, right? Or four by three aspect ratio, aspect I should ratio. say. Yep. Yeah, thank you. So when you watch a, an HD movie, you get black bars at the top and the bottom. And and then I got home uh, and the next day I'm thinking, you know, wait a minute. If I were to watch a movie on my uh, new iPhone 6 Plus, the aspect ratio of that is 16 by nine, which matches movies pretty much perfectly. I mean, they, 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 you know, tinker with it at, at some points, but, um, but for the most part, I'm probably not going to have black bars on that. And so I thought, wait a minute, you know, even though the screen size, uh, is, is much smaller, I'm going from seven, nine down to five, five, the, um, how big is, is the, how much smaller is the movie going to be? Right. Because I'm, I'm not using black bars. So it really is, you know, what's, what's this triangle going to look like? And so I, I started thinking, I'm like, wow, what, what does math tell me about how to do this? Cause I know I can do the math from seven to nine to 5.5 5, and that's 69.6% um, the size. So that, so I'm getting, uh, you know, th that much smaller, but I bet the movie's not 69% of the size. I bet it's larger than that. So I pulled out the Pythagorean theorem, a squared plus B squared equals C squared. And I inverted it because that's what you have to do to kind of do the math backwards when you know the aspect ratio and C squared, but you need to figure out a squared plus B squared, right? We all know that, that this is how you find out the, uh, the sides of a triangle, the dimensions, right? Uh, the, the, the two uh, smaller sides, each squared added together uh, equal the uh, third side uh, uh, squared. Right. That's that's the Pythagorean theorem. I got that right. Right, John. That's that's the theory. That's the theory. There you go. So uh, so I did a bunch of this math and uh, and I twisted it around and I, I and then I back tested it by by measuring what the, the things would come out to. And I was like, yep, OK, got it. Uh, turns out and I thought, well, you know, it's, it's not going to be that bad. It, it is bigger. Uh, so sixty nine point six percent for the uh, entire for the diagonal screen size down. Watching a movie, only seventy six percent. So, so you're getting you. It is larger than than the than the direct aspect ratio would tell you, or the, than the direct comparison would tell you. I thought it would be more, but it's a good question to answer. So, movies are three quarters this, on on the iPhone six plus. Movies are three quarters the size that they are on the iPad Mini, which ain't bad. You know that that's doable. I I can I can live with that on an airplane. I think so. I got to check it out. Fun, though, right? Oh, I mean, fun hey, with math. Hey, that math uh, comes in handy. Yeah. And I did more. That's for, that's for a right triangle. So you have to have a 90 degree angle in the triangle. That Thank you. Works. 
Thank you. That's correct. That's right. And I, I knew that we would have a, a right triangle in, in this particular instance. Yeah. So um, I did some more math, John, because I'm an AT&T customer and we have an AT&T family plan that uh, we have the family on, which which is handy because uh, it, the, the benefit of having iPhones for every member of the family and handing them down is that I can get a new one each year and it doesn't really matter because we always have open contracts. Um, but AT&T opened up this new thing earlier this year. They opened up some mobile share plans uh, and their next plan pricing. So uh, when next first came out, everybody was poo-pooing it and saying how terrible it was. And, and I think it kind of was terrible. It was sort of a bad deal for, for everyone except AT&T. And, and so I had gotten it into my head that next is a bad idea. We moved to this new mobile share plan earlier this year, though, from our, our previous. We had a, a plan where we were buying uh, six gigs of data uh, to share amongst our, our family. And uh, with the four phones on it, we and, and the six gigs of data and, with, and you get unlimited minutes and, and um, uh, uh, text. And with six gigs of data, we were paying, I think, about two twenty five a month for the four phones and the, and, and the plan with this new plan. Once you break the 10 gigs of data barrier, phones get a lot cheaper. The, 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 the uh, lines get a lot cheaper. You still have to pay for your phones, but the, the cost of maintaining a line every month drops significantly. So we went from 225 a month to 150 a month and actually got more data out of it by moving to this plan. And it's because you pay for your 10 gigs of data and then you pay 15 bucks a phone. But it's only 15 bucks a phone for phones that are not under contract. And for some reason, when we migrated to the plan, and this is true for everyone. So if you haven't done this yet, uh, consider doing it. When you migrate a, an on contract phone to one of these plans, it's treated as an off contract phone. So we were only paying 15 bucks a phone. Otherwise, when a phone is on contract, you pay 40 on this plan. So when the pricing came out for the new iPhones, I did some math. And what I realized was these AT&T Next plans uh, do a couple of things. A, all it is, is a 0% financing package for whatever device you're buying. And you can pick, and this it gets a little confusing, you can pick whether you want your 0% financing to go over 20 months or 24 months. And the way you pick that is by choosing the 12-month plan, which ends in 20 months. Bear with me here. Or the 18-month plan, which ends in 24 months. Now, why would they say 12 when they mean 20 and 18 when they mean 24? Well, because if you get to, let's say you pick the 12-month plan, when you get to your, when you, once you've made your 12th payment, you can surrender the phone back to AT&T and get a new phone. So if you want a new phone every year, uh, and you're okay just constantly refinancing that phone, which is what you've been doing anyway with a phone under contract, then they're happy to just take it back and then they'll sell it off or, or do whatever with it. However, um, and that's, that's why they call it a 12 month plan, even though it's 20. So I started doing the math. What would it, what's it going to cost me? I don't plan on surrendering my phones because we hand them down, as I mentioned. Uh, but I, I looked, I did the math. What's it going to cost me to uh, own? And I, I chose the, because we keep phones so long, I chose the biggest one I could. So six plus at 128 gigs, right? Which is a $949 phone. It's crazy, but that's what it is. So uh, when I finance that out over 20 months, it's 0% interest. So it's $949 is what I pay for the phone. If I finance it uh, or if I get a contract, I pay $499 upfront, 
right? So with the, with the next plan, I paid nothing up front. I'm just paying uh, every month. But it, again, it, the math just works. You, you pay $949. So it's uh, $47 a month or something, right? Uh, with a contract, I pay $499 up front. And then I no longer get my $15 per line phone charge because while I'm under contract for two years, I now pay $40 a month. So there's 20, there's a $25 difference. So 25 times 24 is 600 bucks, 600 bucks plus the 499 down payment I make on the contract is uh, 1099. So already we're 150 bucks over what I'm going to pay with my next plan. Plus a $40 contract activation fee that I also don't pay with the next plan. So now we're at, uh, you know, 190 bucks or whatever it turns out to be uh, more that I would have paid if I do it under contract. So I chose the next plan. Hands down. No problem. They want to finance it for me. They don't want to take my money up front. No problem. Way better to do it this way. So, but I, I believe the trick is if you're buying less than 10 gigs of data a month. Now for us on the family plan, the 10 gigs absolutely makes sense. Uh, even though we don't use it, we probably only use five. Uh, but, but financially it's actually cheaper for us to buy a 10 gig plan than it is an eight gig plan. Because again, we qualify for this $15 per line pricing. Um, so, so that's how it works. And, and a little trick that I learned and I learned it too late because I couldn't do this with my phone. If you have a phone on this family on this mobile share plan that you've migrated in under contract. And so it, you're getting at the $15 rate. Chances are you can choose to replace that phone with a new iPhone. And then your contract magically goes poof. And, and you're, you get to keep your existing phone and get a new one and are no longer under contract. So you can unlock the thing and sell it. I think uh, that that's, that's something worth researching for all of you. So more fun with math, John. I told you it was going to get geeky. Yeah. Verizon's got a similar thing. They do. Uh, I don't know okay. What, well, it's called Verizon edge. Okay. You know, I'm looking at their FAQ right now, but yeah, I think it's something similar. You pay for your device over 20 months rather than paying for it up front. You make yep. monthly payments until your device is paid off after 30 days. If you paid at least 60%, you'll have the option to edge up to a new device, blah, blah, blah. So, yep. so you should take a look at that, man. You, it might, it, it, you know, like I said, for us, it, it was a no brainer. So, you know, I, I may, uh, upgrade, uh, actually I, I looked here. So, so I think the best tool to, uh, to do this is, uh, the, the app store app yes. tells you uh, all the pricing or I'm looking at mine right now. And I think my best deal Dave is, uh, after, uh, after a certain date here, I can get the iPhone 5C 8 gigabyte for nothing. Oh, that's a great deal, John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I we bought uh, two years ago, November, and I know this date. Um, again, I, I should have been smart enough to swap it out now and put my thing on my daughter's plan, but I didn't anyway. Her, her phone's under contract um, for another couple of months, right? Until November. We got her a 16 gig iPhone 5. Um, it was a Christmas gift. And so, you know, and, and I think I can't remember if she was kicking in some money towards it or not. I, I don't know, but there was the, the, the five, she was desperately wanted a, a better phone. I think she had a three GS, which was in the hand down process to her and she just couldn't bear to have that. So we got her the five. Then we made the stupid mistake of getting her a 16 gig phone. It's terrible that the size of that thing, it's, it's a constant battle to manage and she doesn't do a lot, right? She stores, she, uh, she syncs some, some Spotify songs to it so that she's not burning up 
data, even though she, that kid burns like three or four gigs of data a month. She totally, she burns way more than the rest of us in the family. But anyway, um, so she, she sinks her, her stuff down and then, and then takes a bunch of pictures and that's it. And she's constantly running up against uh, size walls. So I, I would, I would highly advise against an eight gig phone uh, and, and, and advise against a 16. You know, I, I just, I, I think it's a bad idea. Uh, spend the extra hundred bucks. And now with the six, you get a 64 for the extra hundred bucks, which is a, a great thing. I think. Yeah. What did I get here? I think I, my five S is 32, which works for me. Or is it yeah. 64? I forgot. Yeah. I'm, you're right. Yeah. Uh, 32 is, I think manageable. Uh, you can't, you can't get that anymore in the new ones, but um, you know, that's, that's how it goes. Yeah, no, mine's a thirty-two. No, that works for me. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. Uh, right, right. I don't have that much data. You know, about the only thing I do that would probably take all that up would be photos. But I regularly purge photos from the uh, phone and put them on the computer. So sure, sure. Hey, I want to talk about uh, our second sponsor before we talk about this Apple Watch here, John, and uh, and that second sponsor is Drobo at uh, at Drobo They offer all kinds of stuff there. What their stock and trade is that they have figured out and they did this a long time ago and have perfected it. They figured out how to create an enclosure into which you stuff all your extra SATA drives. And then it magically aggregates the storage together, leaving uh, the opportunity to have one drive fail and you not even have downtime, let alone lose any data. Right. So raid ish. Right. They call it beyond raid because it is beyond raid, uh, but it lets you stuff all these drives in. doesn't matter what sizes they are. It doesn't matter what speeds they are. Although obviously if you stuff a bunch of slow drives in it's it's not going to be as fast as if you stuffed a bunch of fast drives, but the thing is fast because you've got, even if they're all slow drives, you know, if you've got four drives in there, they're all spinning and all delivering data simultaneously. It's not like it's reading from one at a time. So you still get decent speeds out of these things. And, uh, and that's it. You connect it to your Mac and it just works. There's an app you put on your Mac that manages the drive, but you don't, there's not much to do. It, it just creates this big heaping uh, glob of storage that you can write and read to. And that's what you want. And if something goes wrong, it, it actually tells you, it tells you in the app, you can have it email you. Um, but the, a light on the front of the enclosure lights up and it goes from green to say red and says, okay, this is the one. And you take that drive out, you put another drive in and then it kind of sets up that new drive, but it does this all in, in parallel with you just still using the, the drive. you never have to turn it off uh, to replace it or even add a drive. And you, you don't have to lose access to it. it it's really quite brilliant. And, uh, and is an awesome way to manage your storage. So check it out. And the new Gen 3 Drobo is their direct attached one. It's uh, it's USB 3. It costs $349 unless you're a Mac Geek Cab listener, which, hey, good news, you are. Uh, and you can save 50 bucks, right? So you use the coupon code MGG50. Uh, that's MGG 50 within the numbers, right? Cause you're getting 50 bucks off. So MGG five zero at drobostore.com. You got to buy it from them. The coupon only works with them. And then you get the gen three Drobo for two ninety nine. and you can start stuffing your drives in it. Uh, it comes with a USB cable. You plug it into your Mac. If you only have USB two, it will work over USB two. That's fine. Uh, if you've got USB three, even better, it works even faster because it's USB three and it does, it will take advantage of it. Even with my Frankenstein drives in there, I was, it was getting, you know, cooking speeds out of this thing. It's, it's great. 
and super easy to set up. And that's the best part about it. So, uh, so I highly recommend, uh, go check it out, drobo.com. And when you're ready to buy, of course, drobostore.com, but, uh, but check it out. Yeah. In the speed, somebody in the, uh, I think somebody in the chat room asked me, somebody asked me somewhere. Oh, it might've been a private message. Uh, I was seeing over 200 megabytes uh, a second uh, on mine. I was getting about 210 on, on reads and, and like 202 on, on writes, uh, sustained using black magic and, and black magic's the tool. I like to use because they randomize the data such that any caching on the on the on the enclosure or the drives is sort of uh, minimized and you're actually getting true speeds as opposed to if you just write all zeros or, or something you can uh, it can work, but it, it will sometimes mislead you. Right. Because uh, zeros can be cached and, you know, patterns can be cached endlessly. So if you're writing the same thing over and over again, who knows? Right. Uh, it depends on the, the the guts of the drive. So I use black magic and I was getting yeah, like about two ten uh, reads and then, you know, two, two Oh two, two Oh three writes. And, um, and that's with my old Frankenstein drives. I didn't put new drives in this thing. I just, and you can, my, if you have an old Drobo, you can actually migrate your existing drives over and then it, you have all your data. So check it out. Drobo.com. And remember that coupon code M G G five zero. Cause it'll save you 50 bucks off the gen three Drobo. And you get it for uh, for two ninety nine, and you can stuff up to four drives in there. So check it out. Thank you to Drobo, and thank you to you. All right, John. So this watch, you know, I'm a watch guy. Cool. I am too. I'm yeah. wearing one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so th- th- this is interesting, though, right? So so Apple has this watch, and it uh, we don't we have to remember uh, when the iPhone was announced. We actually knew more about the what the iPhone would do than we know about what the watch will do today. Uh, because, you know, when the iPhone was announced, it was January and then it came out in June and things changed. Right. And, and, and more details emerged. Uh, so with the with the watch, I think we have to kind of look at it the same way that we know so, sort of the, the, the gist of it. Uh, we've gotten to wear it and uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But. In general, uh, we don't know anything. You know, we don't know a lot yet. Um, we know that it would probably cost three forty nine to start the low end model. My my prediction is that's going to be another fifty bucks is going to be shaved off of that. But um, that's just you know, I think they were they were hedging their bets high, and they'll probably come out with something a little lower. Um, but this is interesting. It is an accessory to an iPhone five or later. You cannot use it standalone. Um, I think you can use it without your phone in proximity, but in order to set it up and, and do anything with it and you need to own an iPhone five to, to make this thing work. So it's paired up with that. And it's an interesting thing. It fits nicely on the wrist. I tried on the 42 millimeter version, which is, I would say the size of a standard man's watch these days. It's hard to say. I mean, watches, you know, that, uh, Certainly 10 years ago, I would have said 40 millimeters, maybe even probably 40 was the standard. It's gotten a little bigger, but you know, there are watches out there that are 47, 48, 50, even. Um, it, so it's hard to say what a standard is, but uh, you know, my guess is like uh, the, the watch I wear typically is a 40, um, but I have some 42s. So anyway, I tried it on very comfortable. Apple put it on me, John, uh, and they put it on everybody. My guess is the reason they did that was they wanted it tight enough so that the haptic feedback 
the, the tapping was noticeable. And obviously if you don't have this thing on tight enough, if you've got it just loose like a bracelet or whatever, uh, you're not going to feel that. So they, they put so it on. Is it like, is it like your phone vibrating? No, that's yeah no that's I'm a, setting you up because i'm uh, yeah so what uh, so it's a different experience it's totally different so yeah they put the watch they had two different software builds on the on the demo floor right the one they put on on me and put on everybody presumably at least out, outside i don't know if they put better watches on you know some of the the, the the more special people that got to talk in the back rooms but uh certainly for me and and everybody out there they the one they put on me was running a four minute looped demo and certainly you could touch it but touching it did not impact the watch's ability to run this demo. There was no interaction with the thing, but part as part of the demo, it, it would do some of these taps. And I knew that when the guy put it on me. So then the watch he was wearing was more interactive. Obviously this is not finished yet. So, uh, you know, they, the Apple employees knew how to kind of avoid the, the under construction areas and, and give you a demo, which was great. So I was more paying attention to his watch because of that. Then I was the one that was on my wrist, which was just at my side. And this is in a packed room, all kind of jostled up. And halfway through our demo, I thought, you know, I haven't felt this thing buzz yet. What's going on? And, and so I decided to pay more attention to my wrist. And that's when I realized it doesn't buzz. It, I was, I was waiting for the buzz, like the cell phone, like you said, John, but it doesn't, It literally feels like someone tapping you on the wrist. So it's noticeable, but not, jarring so which is cool i like it I, I think it's a good thing i don't know how they do it uh, i mean they've, they've got all kinds of little things in there i guess but uh you know it's it's cool it, and it's very different from your phone buzzing in your pocket yeah okay so the interesting thing though john is I'm not sure where Apple's going. It's obviously the watch can be as, as you've probably heard, it can track fitness data and, and that sort of thing. And that's yeah, great. So they have uh, infrared sensors in there and I guess that picks up your uh, heartbeat. Mm -hmm. okay. So cool stuff, right? But here's the deal. If you're my, my guess is if you're going to own one of these and use it, you're going to want to wear it all the time. It is going to be the thing that you wear every waking hour. You can't wear it while you sleep because the thing's got to charge. Uh, but you're going to wear it, want to wear it every waking hour. And I think with that, Apple has made a very bold move uh, because there are two groups of people for to that they are targeting here. Right. One group that doesn't wear a watch currently, they now have to convince to wear a watch because it's this Apple thing. Right. So so that's a that's a paradigm shift for those people. And then the other side of the coin are the people that do wear a watch or watches and have several different watches that they use as as, you know, uh, uh, accessories. Right. Or, or whatever. I mean, I'm a I'm a watch guy. I like different features in my watch. I like you know, I like all that stuff. So I don't wear the, way, the same watch every day. I even when I travel, I bring two watches with me. I'm crazy. Right. But I'm not that. But I'm not. Unique in that sense. There's a lot of us, right? In fact, I would say probably half the people that wear a watch have multiple watches. So now you're you're trying to convince someone that does wear a watch to give up the watch that they have and switch to the Apple watch, watch or watches that they have and switch to this Apple watch to wear full time. And that's a, that's a big thing. I mean, for me, I, will I get one? Yeah, probably, but I'm going to get it for the same reason that I got the original iPad not because I think I'm going to use it all the time, but because I want to mess with it. 
and I want to see what it's like. And so we can talk about it here, right? You know, um, but it, but that, mm-hmm. it, that will be the reason is, is it will be a, a work thing. Now, will it wind up being some, you know, like the iPad, will it wind up being something that very quickly becomes a, a personal item that I can't live without possibly, but I think it's a pretty, that's a pretty tall order for, for somebody like me. And I, so I'm curious, John, you fit into that category. I think of someone who clearly wears a watch, but I, I think you own one and you just wear the same watch all day, every day. Right. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I have a, a, the most basic watch you could get, which actually one of my frustrations is I found it hard to get a basic watch that just tells time. What I have is it's a Timex. It's analog. Yeah. It tells the, uh, the day and the date and about the only luxury it has is, um, Indiglo and that, you know, it, uh, sure. Backlight it. Yeah. But that's it. And I think, you know, it's like, you know, it's like a, $30 $30 watch or something. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and it does exactly what I need, which is what time is it? <laughs> yeah. It, it, so my question is price aside for the moment, would you would switching to an Apple watch, which, which is not, which is all digital. And you obviously you can put an analog face on it if you want, but with, is that at all attractive to you? Is that something you would consider um, even, even before the price enters the equation? I don't see it doing many things that I, no, I don't, I don't really think it, it does anything that I can't currently do with my iPhone. So, you know, the whole fitness thing or all that, like, for example, you know, if I, if I, you know, I got the pedometer app, sure. you know, so to measure how far I walk, um, you know, I put it in my bike to, to map my routes, uh, for, for the bike, um, messaging you know you can do that with the watch as well i did yeah. you know kind of get by with using twitter or whatever on my phone so um, sure i'm you know i'm struggling with you know other than what you're pointing out is uh you know maybe you'll you know as you use it you'll find a you know exciting new application for it but i'm i'm, I'm struggling with what need it would fill for me that isn't already filled by my phone yeah so i mean the health stuff the health the, the fitness tracking the watch definitely adds a few more things, like you said, the heart rate and, and stuff like that, um, than than you can do with your your phone currently. Um, but unlike a Fitbit, which you can wear alongside your existing watch or watches, this replaces all of that. So it, it's um, yeah, I I will say, though, you brought up notifications of, you know, text messages and phone calls and and e- emails and all of that uh, or Twitter, you know, all that uh, that. I, that I can do with the pebble, uh, which my son has commandeered, uh, but we have one and uh, that is way more handy than I ever expected it would be because when I feel my phone vibrate in my pocket, I immediately want to check to see what's going on. Right. And having the ability to just turn my wrist and see that is huge. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, especially if I'm out and about, Right. I don't have to be rude to take my phone out. I can just glance and see now. I mean, the watch, what the Apple watch seems very interactive. So it's possible that it could become this thing. That's just as bad as the phone. And we just get lost and engrossed in it. And you know, that that's not so good, but you know, being able to do that quick glance, it's like driving in the car, right? I, I, before my car was, my car software was updated and would show me or, or even better read me text messages as part of the display. The, the pebble was awesome because if I was driving in the car and I got a text message, I could read it on my watch. But 
because the pebble doesn't let me reply. I had no temptation to reply. So, you know, there was no texting while driving, but it was like, Oh, I see what the thing is. Good to go. I can move on. My car does that now. And it actually reads them to me and Siri would read them to me too, but it's, it's easier to use the car's interface. Uh, so that part, that part's actually probably bigger than you think it is. The notifications on it. But again, it doesn't, it, it just makes it more convenient, which isn't bad, but it doesn't give you something you just don't have uh, to your point. So <laughs> what I'm curious about, um, and you may have heard of this though, uh, many cell phone owners um, pick up what I'll call phantom rings or phantom vibrations. Yeah. In that they believe that their phone has vibrated, maybe because they, they really hope they're going to get a, a message or notification. And they look and nothing has happened. I'm wondering if the same thing is going to happen with the watch is that you, you felt like it was tapping you, but it, it really wasn't. Probably given, <laughs> given how I didn't notice it tapping me in a, you know, in a crowded room where I was kind of already desensitized to just being touched constantly, you know, or, or, or jostled or whatever. Yeah. My guess is that'll happen. I've had that happen with my phone. It's like, Oh wait, did it just buzz? You know? So yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously very curious to see the user interface on it. Apple definitely has cracked the code on that. Um, you know, this is using the crown uh, is brilliant. I, I like it. Obviously it, it gives it a classic watch look, uh, but it also is absolutely a great interface because it gets your fingers out of the way of the screen to do a lot of what you're going to use the UI for. And that that's awesome. Uh, it's great. So, uh, but it, you know, so I'm very curious about it. I'm, I'm not negative on it, but I'm, I'm reserved on, on my, you know, um, my, 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 my enthusiasm. So, cause I just can't imagine giving up my, you know, all, all the watches that I like to wear, but I've been a watch mm -hmm. geek since I was a kid. So. I don't know, John. And you know, Dave, I think it, that leads us to. You know, wrapping up the announcements yeah. here. I, I, well, I think it was important, but one observation I want to make to cleverly bridge between the two is you'll note that it's the Apple Watch and not the iWatch. I did yeah. notice that. First, uh, so I think this is Tim and company kind of uh, breaking away from the i thing, which some would acknowledge is getting kind of silly and that it's all i stuff. Sure. When it isn't necessarily have anything to do with the internet <laughs> right well that's but they but they never did they ever definitively say what the eye was meant for uh, I, it was inferred that's, that's my speculation yeah that, you know the eye uh, you know internet enabled but it, yeah it could be i i hear anything. i hear a story this didn't happen to me so uh but i hear a story that when uh, a certain journalist was briefed on the imac uh just prior to it being released uh they were in a room with a bunch of Apple execs, but, but Steve jobs was not one of them. Right. And, and so they asked the journalist said, you know, uh, what does the I stand for in iMac and somebody very, very quickly without uh, thinking piped up uh, and said, ah, uh, it's just Steve's thing. It's all about me, me, me with him. So it's I, 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 that's it. <laughs> and then the person kind of turned white as a sheet and, and said, uh, you can't print that. And so, uh, so, but they, but then they, they went on to say, yeah, you know, at the, it, and again, this was at the IMAX launch. Maybe Apple, I don't, I know we all sort of in, assumed it was internet and they said it's, it's internet. It's a personal thing. It's interactive. It, you know, the eye was meant to soften it. Right. And, and make it 
feel like something you could touch. It was the eye was, I think, put on for the same reason that the handle was not that they expected Because remember the first IMAX had handles, uh, not that they expected anyone to lug this, you know, whatever, 35 pound thing around all the time. But it made it so that you could feel like you touched it. You know, it, it made it look OK to touch because it had a handle You're like, OK, I know where to touch this thing. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's so, what the um, eye was for. Soften the name. Yeah. So now we have now two Apple products, of course, the Apple Watch yep. and uh, another mini tangent. You may be asking yourself, how do I type Apple? Well, a lot of us quickly figured out, at least on an Apple machine, it's Alt-Shift-K. Gives you the Apple symbol. Alt-Shift-K. It does, in fact, give you the Apple there symbol. You so you just don't, you don't hold down the uh, old Apple key on your keyboard and hope, right? That the, oh, I, don't, I don't have an Apple key no. <laughs> not on this keyboard, but then there's Apple pay. And I think Apple pay to me, uh, th- that I think is, is kind of revolutionary in that. Uh, I want to, I want to, I'm going to put you on hold for one second, John, because I want to talk right. about our, our, our third and final sponsor for oh. this episode. Uh, and I want to do it before we get to the end, obviously. And uh, that sponsor is share file. Now, this is a new thing for us here at uh, at Mac Geek Gab, uh, but it's not a new thing for Citrix, which is the company behind ShareFile. ShareFile is built to solve the attachments problem, and it solves it in a great way, right? So, you know, a lot of the emails we send, especially the business emails we send, right, to our, our coworkers or our clients or our bosses, uh, there's always attachments being passed around, right? And, and attachments do a lot of things when you send them via email. Sometimes they're too big. And so they get bounced. Sometimes uh, spam filters see attachments as bad things. Uh, and they also are sort of a chore on mobile devices. Sometimes if the attachment isn't exactly the right format, right? It, it can cause all kinds of grief. And really what we don't want to, we don't necessarily need to bake the attachment into the email and bloat up our email archives. We just need to send someone a note and say, hey, I, uh, I created this document and here's what it's about and go take a look at it because they're not, you know, they're, they're going to do something with it. They're not just going to live with it in their email client. And that's what ShareFile is built for. So, uh, you know, the way it works is you create an account and, uh, and you get 30 days free. If you if you go to sharefile.com and there's a little microphone at the top because we're podcasters, right? And and the code to type in for 30 days free is Mac Geek, M-A-C-G-E-E-K. So hopefully you can remember that. Mac Geek. Uh, and that gets you 30 days free. No credit card required. I signed up for it uh, using this method, and I can guarantee that they ask for your name, your email address, uh, and a password. And that's it. Uh, and then they have a great web interface. Uh, that you can upload attachments to, you can link to files, you can manage all of your attachments, and that's the really cool part. But they also have a Mac app, they have an iOS app, and the Mac app links with the Finder, so that you've got uh, links right there where you can you know, click on files and manage them that way and attach them to emails. But what's cool is, like, John, if I send you uh, an email attachment, I get I can set it to notify me when you looked at it and who you are, Right. So there's this security level here that's fantastic because it's it you know now you want to track when somebody opens your email it, especially in a, again in a work situation you want to know okay is somebody looking at this file yeah you can you, you can see that because they've clicked on the link and now you know and you also know that the wrong people aren't looking at your file uh, so that's a very very cool thing 
And uh, again, they've got apps for iPhone. They've got apps for the Mac, obviously Macs for uh, Macs. <laughs> they've got apps for Windows. Uh, so it works for everybody, but you don't you don't need the app to make it work. Certainly the people that you send things to don't need the app uh, to make it work. The app just facilitates uh, it, the creation of this stuff on your end, but you don't need it. You can, you can do it all from their web interface. It's actually really well done. So cool. Uh, the first time you've, you, you know, you create your account and then you're brought to the web interface and uh, you're the, immediately you're walked through. They have like this quick little, it took maybe 10 seconds uh, to kind of uh, cycle through this. Hey, hey, look here to share files. Look here to share links. Look here to download apps. And it just, you know, quick tour. It was a, one of the best, web UI tours I've ever seen because it showed me exactly what I wanted to know without frustrating me by taking too much time to, to show it to me. And the apps were the last thing. And I'm looking around, like, I just want to download the app. I don't have a lot of time. I, I, yeah, I get it. I get it. And I didn't, I couldn't find where to download the apps. Uh, but the tour showed me, you know, and then it was obvious it was right there. I would have found it. it the UI is pretty good. Um, but it was like the tour actually helped as opposed to being a hindrance, which so many of those can be. So kudos to the folks at Citrix for making the share file web interface so good. So check it out. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, we here with, of course, the, uh, the folks at Citrix would appreciate it too. And you get 30 days for free on us. So check it out. Uh, sharefile.com and then click on the microphone at the top of the screen and uh, enter the coupon code MACGEEK and you get 30 days free. This works with any OS, right? Um, so, you know, you don't need anything special to, to do this and it and you can start using it today. So check it out. Sharefile.com coupon code MACGEEK after tapping the microphone at the top of the page. And our thanks to Sharefile for being on board with us. Awesome to have you. All right. Now, John, app, talking about things you, that you do have to pay for, Apple Pay. This well, is it. I, Go ahead. I like it. It's uh, and, you know, some some people in the chat room here hollered at me for saying it's revolutionary. Um, you know, Apple is rarely first to market with something, but I think they're going to help promote uh, the credit card companies don't seem interested in uh, making their system more secure and, uh, you know, immune to fraud. Um, and NFC isn't something new. So uh, but but I think the, the way Apple packaged it and some of the decisions they made, I think will will help. Okay, so, you know, so one again, NFC, I mean, uh, some people already have uh, uh, NFC being near field communication. Um, Some cards that I have and maybe you have, Dave, already have a chip in them and some of the terminals. uh, Cards don't have NFC chips in them. Cards have smart card chips in them that you have to use with the chip and and pin or chip and sign things. I don't think cards have NFC in them. Some phones do. Really? I have two cards that uh, talk to terminals wirelessly. Really? Oh, really? I had no idea. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm, I'm looking here. So my yeah. MasterCard, uh, they call it PayPass. So if you look that up, um, what was another one? It's called Blink. Uh-huh. I think Chase came out with something called Blink. So so slowly, some of the credit card people, the, the next time you get a card, it'll probably have, a, 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 and I'm not sure if it's it, NFC or a variation, but it is wireless. Yeah. So you don't have to swipe it. You just hold it up to the terminal and it reads it. And I've, I've used it and, you know, it works. Um, but I think this may help uh, help the acceptance of the technology. The thing that I like about it. So wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm going to slow down is, on. I, I want to correct this right. because uh, everything I'm okay. reading, I'd never heard of PayPass before. So, you know, bear with me here. But 
PayPass is not is not NFC. It says uh, locate a store that accepts MasterCard PayPass. Approach the, approach the cashier. Locate the PayPass reader. Hold the back of your NFC phone to the reader. When the green lights flash and you hear a beep, the secure transaction is completed. I think what this means is that your card is capable, uh, like the banks and and the, your payment, uh, uh, you know, all because you can't just say. Um, I want to use this with NFC. Your bank has to support it and all that. So I, I think what your card is telling you is that it is possible to use with NFC, not that the card has NFC. Have you ever successfully done it? Yes. Oh, well then. Okay. Dang. Yeah. I, I like stand I said, corrected. I, I have, okay. I, I have two cards that have a wireless technology in them. In addition to the, uh, to the, the, the mag stripe. Yeah. The only problem is uh, the terminals, uh, not all the terminals, but you'll see sure. it. I mean, it has a little, you know, uh, radio huh. uh, icon on it. All right, and go yeah, figure. Did, uh, okay, that's cool. Well, that's great. I didn't realize that they could put, I, I thought the cards would have to have batteries in them or whatever to uh, to make that the NFC work. Oh, no. Okay. No, like like most, um, yeah, like a lot of wireless Pass, technologies, it's, it's powered It's powered by the terminal. So, right, uh, right. Huh, Cool. <sighs> But 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 the one thing that I like about it is that the way they described it is that what they're doing is something that, you know, a lot of people can do, but they don't, is that you can get these one-off numbers. That's a single-use number. Yes. That was the one aspect of, of what I saw about the presentation that I think was uh, pretty clever because I think for the most part, you know, especially if you swipe it, you're giving them your number. And well, yeah, but I think and- all NFC works that way, right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. not ever passing the number. You're passing a token. Right. And, and so I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think, I mean, it, they sort of dumbed it down in the prezo, but, but what they described is what NFC always does. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I think, I think for online purchases, getting the single use number is, is a good thing and a new thing. But I thought with NFC, it was, you never passed the number. It just passed the, um, the token. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. This is all new to your point, though, you know, about the banks uh, not prioritizing security. It's because they prioritize making money. Right. Credit cards were never built to be secure. Credit cards were built to be convenient. And as such, the banks earn, you know, somewhere between two and three percent. Somewhere between one and three percent on each transaction, um, you know, that you make and the merchants pay that fee. And uh, so the banks eat the fraud charges out of their fees and are happy to cover 100% of the fraud uh, because it's adding a level of inconvenience is perhaps something that would deter people from, you know, adding a level of security, right? Security and, and, and convenience live on a continuum with, with ultimate, uh, you know, ultimately convenient at one end and ultimately secure at the other. And, and you live somewhere in the middle, right? And so the banks have chosen to err on the side of convenience uh, at the cost of security because they want to uh, keep people uh, using the cards, right? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about, this because it, because NFC has failed uh, or failed to get started so many times. Uh, but you know, Apple, Apple tends to be able to ramrod some things through some, so maybe well, their muscle behind it is a good thing. Well, I'm thinking that, that, that that's, you know, that's what's happening. Similar to, you know, a lot of people would say that Apple helped, you know, revolutionize the sale of music with iTunes saying, well, no, you really want to let people buy a single song. Um, they may help, uh, but they're not doing anything yeah, like new said, here, 
right? They're just adding no, NFC. Well, 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 they're 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 increasing the number of people that will accept the technology. So I think that and they create, you know, yes. alliances and they got all these people on board. I mean, I'm going to websites now yeah. that are saying, hey, you know, like Chase, I go to Chase and they say, hey, we're going to take Apple Pay. And it's right. like, oh, that's nice. Right. Right. So, so I think they're helping promote the technology. Um, yeah. Which which could and, be their their biggest contribution to it. That's right. Yeah. And they, of course, I'm sure get a get a cut. <laughs> I'm sure it's not 30 percent. Like no. you know, they take. I think that's what they take with the app store. Right. Yeah, no. So the the interesting thing is it um, based on a Bloomberg article because I'm I'm pretty interested in this. I you know having worked for Citibank years and years and years ago uh, in the back office and then also um, just you know we we have merchant accounts. We use it for MacGeekab Premium. We use it for you know taking advertising uh, revenue with Backbeat. And so I'm always interested in this and. The question is ultimately who's going to pay. I mean, we know it's the consumer that pays, but how, where in the process will that hit right now? The banks say that they're paying for Apple pay out of their fees, but I can guarantee you that's not going to last, especially with Visa and MasterCard. It won't be long before merchants are seeing a fee for Apple pay on their monthly statements. Mm. Just Right. Just like when you pay, if you have a rewards card, like I think you use your discover card or, you know, you have some rewards card that earns you cash back. Um, you know, I like to earn uh, hotel points cause I use those. Right. Mm-hmm. But whatever you earn airline miles or whatever, whatever that is, when you pay with a, uh, with a rewards card, the merchant pays for those points. Right. So the hundred miles or hundred hotel points that I earn when I pay for a hundred dollar dinner with my credit card, the merchant pays whatever the, their fee, whatever their discount rate is to Visa. So let's say it's you know two percent, right? So they pay two percent to Visa for the transaction on every Visa transaction that comes through, and then uh, on top of that, they pay for whatever the cost of those points are uh, that I just earned. So it's not Visa paying for those out of their cut; they pass that along to the merchant, and and that was sort of a, a wake up call for us several years ago when we realized that because we would. Um, Amex, Amex actually does pay for that stuff out of their fees, but their fees are way higher. But as it turns out, because everybody uses rewards cards, Amex is cheaper for most merchants than MasterCard and Visa at the end of the huh. process. Yeah. But most merchants are stupid and say, oh, Amex charges too much. We don't want to take it. I'm like, okay, you want to be an idiot? That's fine. So, you know, the question is, where's the Apple Pay fee going to come from? Um, and how much is it? And no one, we don't, we don't have those. I mean, we, we have the initial answers that the banks are, are footing it for now, but they used to foot the mileage cost too. And they don't do that. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. It, it's interesting. Yeah. 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 We have time, yeah, but it may, it, it may get the whole wireless payment thing. Uh, yeah. It may give it the push that it needs to, to get wider acceptance than it does now, because now it's, uh, you know, kind of happening. Like I mentioned, you know, I got a couple of cards yeah. that have it and some, uh, merchants I go to have wireless terminals, but uh, it's not widespread. No, the good news is every merchant is going to need to replace their terminals um, in 2015 because they have to re- uh, support what will be called chip and sign. Right. Um, so in, in, in Europe and uh, places that are a little more down this path, they have chip and pin. So what you do is you, you put your card into a machine and then you put your pin in on that machine and that authorizes the transaction. And it all happens with encryption in the machine. So your, your data never leaves that, that machine. It just authorizes the transaction. Um, 
in the U.S., we're moving to chip and sign, which is sort of a halfway point uh, because we don't have the, the, the way you would program a pin on t- and the pin is stored on your uh, smart card, on your smart credit card. Uh, in order to store the pin on there, we would need to replace every ATM in the country with an ATM that has the ability to reprogram pins. And we don't uh, that's not going to happen next year, which is why we have this chip and sign. So you'll slide the thing in. It'll read your card number in an encrypted fashion off of the smart chip, but you won't be doing the pin on the pad. You'll still be signing for the transaction. Um, and that will be that will be enough to keep merchants from being responsible for fraud. Uh, the good news is merchants have to get these new machines because of the new banking regulations to support the chips. And in buying new machines, they likely will also have NFC in them. So there is no additional hardware cost to supporting NFC for most merchants. And that that's a good thing, right? You know, that, that could help this. It's interesting. It's interesting. We'll see. Well, that was geeky. That was a geeky hour there, John. Wait, can we answer a couple of questions before we have oh, to, uh, sure. before we have to move on? All right, let's, uh, you know, you know what we haven't done today yet, John, is we haven't talked about the Mac. So let's take a question from, well, Hey, John and Dave, this is Max from Oak Park, Illinois. Um, so I have a heart, uh, external hard drive plugged into my iMac, and it has a bunch of corrupted pictures. I was wondering if there is a way to, um, you know, transfer, to make the finder skip all the corrupted pictures, but transfer all the other ones. Instead of stopping at all the corrupted pictures and saying, oh, well, all the other ones are corrupted because it's pretty dumb at doing that. And because Apple thinks everything needs to be perfect. Anyway, you can cut me off here. And All right. Thanks, Mac. Uh, John, any thoughts on this? So, so what's happening is so, the, the, the drive is corrupted at, for some reason. Some of the data on it is unreadable, but, but most of it is still readable. So how do we get the good data off uh, without trying each file individually. That's a fantastic question, Dave. I know. I'm hoping you have an answer. <laughs> the answer is, Dave, don't use the finder. Yeah. <laughs> that Mac figured that part out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what should he well, use? I'm going to give, but I'm going to, well, I'm going to give you two options. Here. Awesome. So I did, did some digging here and there are other ways of copying files that will not suffer from this problem. So the, the finder is kind of dumb in this respect and that, you know, it, it grinds to a halt. Sure. If, if there's a file, it can't copy uh, two suggestions that I found, and I'll link to a nice article that talks about it. So one is you can write um, a shell script. Okay. To really? do copies. And if the copy fails, it will, uh, it will continue uh, based on what I've read here. Um, I haven't actually tried this uh, because I don't want to, you know, create damaged files and, <laughs> But there were two suggestions, and and I think uh, both of them are good. So one, um, a short shell script. Yeah. And then another is um, Automator. Uh, If you do an Automator action, which in a sense is a script, right? Sure. um, uh, That was another suggestion, um, in that you combine a number of actions in Automator, specifically get specified finder items, get folder contents, and move finder items. Um, that, That should do it, too. So, 
Very cool. So we can do this with with uh, with uh, all the software that's on our Macs that comes free with our Macs. I, I was thinking you were going to tell me to use uh, like Pathfinder, right? Um, and I don't know that Pathfinder will do this, but I, I have a feeling that it will. I don't know. I knew you were a Pathfinder um, guy, so I kind of thought that you have been a Pathfinder no, guy. Oh, I thought you were. No, okay. never was. Oh, all right. Well, that's why then then that's why you so, uh, you didn't jump straight to that. Yeah. Okay. So here's a nice article because I'm like, you know what? It can't be the only person that has had this problem. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's just a it's just a uh, yeah. It kind of surprises me that the Finder still chokes on something like that. Yeah. The Finder's gotten better with file copy and stuff. Like you know, for example, now you know another problem is that you know if you try to do a copy and they're duplicates, um, you know. Uh, in the past, it was kind of dumb about that. Now it's a, it's a little smarter, I think. It'll say, hey, you want to replace it or, or rename it? You know, so it's slowly evolving, but maybe Apple will get around to that in, uh, in Yosemite, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I've been running the, the developer betas. Uh, um, no, we can talk about it. It's actually it's actually okay. Uh, I, I've actually been running the iOS 8 uh, GM on... I've been running the beta uh, on my iPad mini uh not since it came out, but certainly for the last month and a half or so. Uh, and I've been running the GM on my, on both devices since that, since I got back from California and uh, we'll talk, I'm sure in next week's show, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about it because it comes out on, on Wednesday. But, uh, but in a general sense on my five S I've been very, very happy with, uh, with iOS eight. And, uh, and one thing I noticed this morning is that the clock, the icon for the clock actually shows the right time and has a, a ticking seconds hand and everything, which is, just, you know, it's a nice touch. Obviously it's not mandatory that we have that on our devices, but it's cool. So, all right. Uh, John, you want to take us to Joseph? Do I want to take now? Okay. No. All right. Yes, of course. Oh, you do. Okay. All right. All right. Joseph. Let me get Joseph. Okay. Joseph asks a uh, interesting uh, technical question uh, about iOS. And uh, so Joseph says, I was very busy with work this week, uh, working from home. So I stopped apps like Facebook for my iPad and iPhone so I don't get distracted with notifications. However, they keep coming. <laughs> I thought I was in the twilight zone. So I checked and double checked that the Facebook app wasn't running, but still the notifications kept coming. I stopped short of deleting the app. I didn't think Apple allowed this on iDevices. That is nameless code running in the background. Please tell me I'm not going crazy. And I didn't tell him he's not going crazy. No, because we don't know that. Crazy. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. I'm, not, I'm not qualified to make that judgment. <laughs> but um, but at least the way notifications work uh, under iOS is that notif and, and I guess OS 10. Um, but on iOS, notifications don't require the app to be running. Right. They require separate- it to be installed, but not running. Correct. Right. And and so what he wants to do to control this. Um, is you want to go into uh, your iOS and you want to go to settings and then notification center. And I think that will make him happy because it will list all of the apps that are registered to give you notifications and what sort of notifications and where that they appear. So I would say that's be kind of a pain in the neck, but I guess uh, as far as I know, that's, that's what you're going to have to do if you want to, you know, disable the notifications and then re-enable. I don't know if there's a more elegant way to to handle that or just, you know, hide your device so it doesn't distract you. Yeah. But that's but that's where that lives is that notifications uh, 
come uh, can come without the app running, I guess is, is the answer. So you have to, you have to go into that part of the, uh, the OS to fine tune when you want the notifications to occur. Yeah. That, well, yeah, that's right. You can, um, you can enable do not disturb on your phone. Right. Um, and you can do this one of two ways, right? You can go into settings and then, um, in, in, in the main screen of settings is do not disturb. And there's a manual switch there where you can just turn it on and it will stay on until you uh, turn it off or you can set it to be uh, scheduled. So for example, I have do not disturb come on between 11 PM and 8 AM every day. Uh, so that way I know, and I'm usually up before 8 AM, but uh, I know that, you know, notifications aren't going to, um, aren't going to, aren't going to disturb me when I'm, you know, when I'm sleeping or, or whatever, but I do have repeated calls on. So if the same person calls me twice, uh, in the course of three minutes, it will let the second call come through, uh, which is handy. You know, it's a nice, nice little feature. And you can also set like a list of people that their calls come through no matter what, or, you know, whatever. So, um, so you can, you can also enable that by swiping up from the bottom of the screen at, on your iOS device. And there's five icons along the top of that sheet, the airplane for airplane mode, the, the Wi-Fi uh, bars for Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, do not disturb and rotation lock. And so if you hit that little moon, it will turn do not disturb on manually. It will turn off on your schedule. So if you have a schedule set that the schedule still sticks, but, um, but that's an easy way to do it. And sometimes I'll do that. Like if I'm going into a movie theater or a meeting or whatever, and I know that I don't want to be disturbed, I just pop it on. I'm good to go. So that's, that's another way, but yeah, there's no, you know, I mean, with Facebook messages, you can mute individual chats, for either like an hour or until the next day or forever. And then of course with iOS eight, you get to do that with, with iMessages too. But, um, but as far as the regular Facebook notifications, no, there's no way to say, turn these off for an hour uh, other than turning off every notification on your Mac. So, so I think that answers this question. Should we go on to uh, Steve had an awesome thing that I didn't want to save for cool stuff found because it, it just fits. He says uh, he found a link and he says, Build a $35 time capsule is what he says. And, uh, and he sent us a link to Raymi, R-A-Y-M-I-I dot org that, uh, that uses a raspberry Pi uh, for, you know, uh, 25 bucks or whatever it is to, uh, to build a time capsule. And it has all the scripts that you would need. This is so cool. And it shows up as a, as a time capsule. I don't think it's going to do your routing for you. Uh, but it will be a time machine destination and act as a real one at that. So thank you for, for sharing that with us, Steve. We're going to, uh, we're going to put that in the show notes because that's one of the cool things that we love. And uh, you know, that's how we roll. So build a $35 time capsule. And while we're talking about airports, let's go to Brian because uh, Brian has a somewhat related question. He asks, I'm trying to set up a LAN for my nephew and his family using the current model Airport Express and a last generation Airport Extreme, which I found in my maybe useful someday boxes. Don't we all have those? I do. Uh, their cable modem is in the same room as their bedroom uh, slash office. So I originally bought and it installed the Airport Extreme uh, in bridge mode as an access point and wireless print server. I would like to set up the airport extreme extending the network as their time machine destination, hanging a USB drive off of it. I know this air drive setup isn't the best, but we've had pretty good luck with it ourselves. And they're using uh, two laptops that we're able to give them uh, 
I don't have the funds for a new airport extreme with formal drive support. That's fine. It works fine. It's no problem. Uh, will I be creating problems if I put both of these units in the same room connected by Ethernet to sort of avoid connecting the units by Wi-Fi, resulting in a loss of signal strength? Uh, or would close proximity of the units cause interference? I guess the source of my problem is Apple's refusal to put print server and, and hard drive capability into the same unit. So I'm trying to jury rig a solution. Your thoughts and recommendations would be much appreciated. So actually they do put uh, hard drive and print server support into the same unit. If you hang a uh, wireless, uh, a USB hub off of the uh, device, you can plug multiple units in and I've, I've been able to do USB drive and uh, print server on the same thing. But you ask a very valid question uh, on top of that. If you connect both of these things by Ethernet, you're going to be totally fine. But there is certainly no benefit to having Wi-Fi broadcast from both, unless you put one in 2.4 gigahertz mode and one in 5 gigahertz mode. But both of them broadcasting in the, in, in the same or both modes is not going to help you uh, because they're so close together and probably will hurt you. Uh, it, with some either potential channel conflicts or having two radios broadcasting right next to each other uh, on, on similar frequencies is never a really good idea. So I would turn, and this is what I do with my time capsule because I'd use it as a time capsule, but not, but it's routing capabilities uh, are no longer needed and it's Wi-Fi capabilities are, are terrible. So this is an original gen time capsule. So I don't use them. So I have it in bridge mode uh, and it's, uh, and the wireless is simply off. You go into your airport uh, utility and, and turn off wireless on the device. And it's totally happy, you know, and it sits there and it acts as a backup for anything plugged in via ethernet. And, and that includes my wireless devices because uh, it, it's, you know, the ethernet is at some point in the chain bridge to another device like you'll have that allows wireless access. So it's all one network and it works great. So that's what I recommend. Any thoughts on that, John, before we, uh, before I look at the clock here and see if we've got time to squeeze one more in. No, that's a good one. Actually, I like that you brought up, uh, I actually came across this as well with a, with a question that I don't think we have on our agenda, but how do you do both print serving and, and hanging a disc off of, uh, off of the airport? Yeah. And, and you, you hit upon it. It's, it's something that I, I wouldn't have thought of. I'm like, well, you got to pick one or the other, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, USB hub should work. Uh, a USB hub. Uh, yeah. So you can, you can do both. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, but you may need to. You may need to. Right. All right. So we're, we're going to do one last one, John. And I figure this one is somewhat timely. Um, perhaps uh, my guess is that if people uh, listeners are buying new phones this week, you're getting an Apple phone. But if, in fact, you've looked at these new options and decided, you know what? I've had it. Uh, this Apple stuff is for the birds. Uh, I'm getting an Android phone. Uh, then. Things get interesting because uh, as Tim asked and experienced, he says, my wife just changed from an iPhone to an Android phone. Now, when I text her, the messages still go, even though I'm texting her phone number, the messages all still go to iMessage on her old phone because it's on Wi-Fi. How do I tell my phone to send her text messages to her new phone, not iMessages to her old phone? This was a weird problem and Apple actually jumped pretty quickly to solve it. Um, and it is one of those things you have to think about if you are moving away uh, from the Apple ecosystem, especially with your phone. Uh, Apple has created a, uh, a support article that walks through this process. And of course, we will put that in the show notes. But essentially what you do 
is uh, if you still have your phone, uh, you can log into um, you have to you have to go on your phone uh, and you have to put your SIM card back in if you if you still have it uh, and then get connected to your cellular data network and then go into settings, go to messages and turn iMessage off. That will deregister your phone and more specifically phone number from iMessage. So if you're going to migrate to Android um, or away from iOS in, in any capacity, that's the first thing you need to do before you shut off your phone, before you do anything. Uh, and also, you know, turn off find my friends if you're, if you're or sorry, find my iPhone if you're not going to use that. But go into settings, go into messages and just turn iMessage off. That's the simple way. But if you can't do that, if, say, the new Android phone uses a different size SIM card than the iPhone and you can't just take that SIM card and put it back in the iPhone, uh, then what you need to do is just call Apple support. And it doesn't matter if you're under uh, warranty or not. Support for this is free, as Apple points out in the knowledge base article. There are a lot of other things that people have tried to do this. And uh, and, uh, you know, I think your mileage is going to vary, but. For the most part, I'm pretty sure you just got to call Apple. It's the simplest thing, and uh, and they will help you with this, obviously. So, uh, so thank you, Tim, for asking the question because it's quite timely. And I feel like John, with that, uh, as much as I would love to get to even more of this stuff, we can't. We just can't. I have a rehearsal I have to go to, but more than that, we've hit our time limit for the show. We turn into pumpkins. Oh, yeah. Pumpkin everything. Yeah, At least it, it if is the, the season. Oh, man, there's pumpkin beer and pumpkin lattes and yeah. pumpkin, pumpkin everything. Pumpkin everything. I'm kind of sick of it. <laughs> well, a lot of time, it's not the pumpkin that you're tasting. It's, it's something something else. But uh, I'm yeah. really crazy about pumpkins. I, I don't like pumpkin beer. No, it's, it's not a thing mm, for me. Mm. No. Carving one for Halloween, sure. That's yeah, that's fun. Cool. Yeah, yeah, no, I like I like that. I like pumpkin pie. Um, yeah. And then again, I wonder how much how much of the taste is is pumpkin and how much is is the other ingredients. Yeah, the spices and and uh, you know all of that good stuff. All right, John, yeah. tell them how to contact us if you would please. No, the number of ways to contact us. Um, one is to use our trusty pal email, which is still with us in this day and age. Um, but don't use it for sending files. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and if you want to email us, well, you can try, but it's, it's it, yeah. It's it works okay right for pictures. You know, I mean, that kind of screenshots are okay in email, but, you know, anything more than that, it starts getting crazy. Yeah. But if yeah. you want to email us, Dave, what, what I would do is send an email to feedback at MacGeekab.com. You said feedback at MacGeekab.com. I almost always, Dave, say feedback at MacGeekab.com. As well, you should, my friend. 206-666-GEEK is the phone number to call if you would rather leave us a voice message, as Mac did earlier in the show. And John Geek is? 4335. You can find our great new Google Plus community. I guess it's not that new anymore, but uh, but John has even joined and participated somewhat. Uh, it's fantastic. You folks keep a vibrant community going out there. And uh, I don't know why it didn't work on Facebook, but it didn't. And Google Plus works fantastically. So uh, so we live there now. 
Uh, but you can still find us on Facebook and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, MacGeekGab.com slash Google Plus. And you can do that any way you like. It will get you there. Uh, that uh, that will get you to our community. And, uh, and you can ask questions. We answer them. You folks answer each other. It's fantastic. So check it all out there. And with that, I'd, I, uh, I'd like to thank Michael Johnston. He is the host of the iOS show podcast, which I got to join uh, yesterday. I think it got published or I got to join it Friday. I think it got published yesterday. So go check that out. We talked all kinds of stuff, uh, him and Adam Christensen. He converts this show and, and Jeff Gamet, actually. Uh, he converts this show to AAC for uh, to add all the chapters for you on all the links. So thank you very much, Michael, for everything that you do. I'd also like to thank the folks at Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com for all the bandwidth that uh, that they provide to get the show from us to you. Podcast Marketplace this month includes Bare Bones Software at BareBones.com, Smile at SmileSoftware.com, Gazelle.com, Squarespace.com slash MGG with coupon code MGG gets you 10% off your first order. Lynda.com slash MGG gets you seven free days. Drobo uh, with MGG50 gets you 50 bucks off. And of course, the new ShareFile. Uh, ShareFile.com with coupon code MACGEEK gets you a free month there. All through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you so much to our sponsors. And uh, thank you to you, John. You started the show, so you might as well end it. Do you have any advice to share? Hmm. Hmm. No. Yeah. How could I forget? (laughs) Don't get caught. Made up.